fandomness. We are finally back from our Christmas holidays. It is season three. been for a year. Uh, I know we have been off for quite a while. Uh, it is finally time for us to return and to decide to basically pillage your lives again. I'm just wearing a very big T-shirt. Stefan's gained all of the Christmas pounds. He's wearing a big rapper oh, T-shirt where it's absolutely massive and oversized. <laughs> it's loungewear. I'm allowed to wear fat people things when I'm in the house. Loungewear. Right, I mean, I, lo- I lost weight over Christmas, so yeah. Fuck you, you always lose weight. You're like oh, Benjamin shit. Button, but for weight. Right, right, I'm now good. holding on to my mic because I've just con- completely disconnected the mountain bracket from it. It's all right, because one day all this weight will catch up with Kyle. Yeah. When we're 60, he's going to be the fat one with heart disease. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Kyle. Uh, thanks thanks very much. I mean, if my grand has anything to go by, I should be the spitting image of perfect health until one random day. Well, I mean, yeah. Which grows grander? Uh, the, unfortunately, the one that passed. Because they're both quite healthy for a while and then all of a sudden weren't. Yeah. It seems to be a common thing in my family. It's just like, I'm okay. No, I'm not. Well, if my if my family's anything to go by, one of my lungs will probably collapse and then I'll get diabetes. I've already got an old <laughs> man vein and low, low heart rate and all that sort of shit. So, well, that's because he's dead, Kyle. Yeah, he is clinically dead, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a good thing. It is. It's fucking amazing. I can scare people by just putting you a heart rate on. You have got a hospital to switch the life support off because they'll think you're dead even if you're not. Like a Halloween, <laughs> we've got what one Grim Reaper. Yeah. Grim, all right. Thanks. I'm not that grim. Anyway, well, what what's everybody been do, doing during the holiday? Anybody well, been doing anything fun? I haven't been doing anything fun, but I have been doing research, which was meant to be in my Christmas episode, but took me so long to... Where's my camera? So there long it is. to work out. Yes, that is. That is like three, four, a four pages probably of research. Stefan's just held up there. Yeah, that's so that. That's must be really bored during the holders. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, five paragraphs. Well, well, twenty-five paragraphs. So yeah, probably about three, four pages, depending on size of paragraphs. Which it's your paragraphs, so yeah. I just thought, if there's any kids <laughs> listening, I'm going to prove to you that Santa doesn't exist. Oh no! Okay, spoil- spoiler, spoiler alert. alert! Any Not kids listening, alert. don't listen. Real life facts alert. Ish. It's based on loose maths, but either way. <laughs> hey, but hey. To, to anybody listening and to anybody watching live, uh, please feel free to pop up in the chat and question any of Stefan's research because I know for a fact he would love to just turn around and go. <laughs> This is my. Res- this is why this is true. This is why this is. A- I just try and prove you wrong. So, yeah. and then make me and Kyle make, make our lives so much easier. We can just sit back and. Yeah, we can just sit back and enjoy. For once, it won't be me on a rant. <laughs> so, Stefan, if you would please, how is Santa not real? While I try and fix this well thing. For a start, so I'll start from the beginning. From so it won't make sense at first necessarily, but the population of the Earth is about six billion. Yeah, roughly. Agreed. Yes. Uh, that's going off the last bit of accurate, fully accurate data I could find, uh, which, which was December the twenty fifth, nineteen ninety nine. So it is outdated. It will be more than that now. But say say that was true then. And yes, oh, you can question me all the time. Yeah, just just popped up saying I question them all the time. Yes, we all we all question stuff all, all the time. It's kind of our job. Right. So I found the UN population clock. Um, the UN has a, okay. One, the UN has a population clock. Two, that <laughs> must have plummeted recently. And three, what the living fuck. Well, I did work out through that that according to them, the percentage of children in the world. In 1998, again, this was the last bit of accurate data. There is data from then, but some of it's a bit dubious and guesstimated. So the last bit of accurate data said that 31.2% of people in the world um, were children, i.e. under the age of 18. Um, So 
I'm about to say it, it depends which country is the one in charge of this survey because children could mean under 16, children could mean under 13, and children could mean under 18, depending yeah, so, on which country is in so, charge of it. Yeah, so under the age of 18, I went with. Um, then you've got to work out the the popular the pop, pop, popularity of Christianity because it's only real, really Christians that believe in Santa as a person. So approximately a third of the world, so or of children in the world. You so it's about 33.5%-ish. Thanks to so, consumerism, some populations are kind of just decided, okay, there, there's a Santa, but it's nothing to do with Christmas or anything, it's purely because he is just consumerism. I agree, there will be a lot of um, atheist he, families that celebrate Christmas. He, he is no longer a religious, well, he never really was a religious symbol. He's not a religious symbol, he's just more a reason to buy stuff at Christmas for each other. Okay. So, right, so sorry, that's me being depressing. It's, it's fine. So just going off the popularity of Christianity, the last accurate data for the amount of under-18s in the world and the last accurate data to find for the world population, i.e. there will be more children in the world now, more people in the world now, and more people that celebrate Christmas than just Christians. So this all these numbers will be a lot higher. But working out on that, it gave them about 1.8 billion people to deliver to on, on December the 24th, right? Okay. So it's 1.88 billion roughly, right? Um, if you turn that into the percentage, sorry, if you turn that into the percentage of um, people that believe in Christianity, it leaves about 631 million. So it's 631 million people he's got to deliver to. There you are. Uh, the number, the average number of children per household is two point six four, globally. Again, it's a rough number. It's it's a rough breakdown. Um, so then you take the number of children you have to do, to deliver to, and divide that by the average, which is two point six four. So he has to deliver to two hundred thirty nine million sixty four thousand one hundred five households. Right. Okay. So if the mass of Santa sleigh, which for some reason has been estimated at 227 kilograms, this isn't my research, that's what it's accepted as, if he was a thing. Um, and the mass of Wait Santa... Did, did, you, did you just weigh Santa? No, he's sleigh. He's sleigh, is 227 kilograms. I know, but I've just heard you start a sentence saying, and Santa himself... Or something that you just wear. Including his suit, including his suit, is about one hundred and fifty-nine kilograms. What's that in What's that in stone and pounds? I don't know about stone, but I did write it down in kilograms and pounds because some of the stuff I found was in pounds because it was American, and some was in kilograms because it was European. So it's five hundred pounds for this player, and it's three hundred pounds for Santa. Oh, so so how how much for Santa? Just Santa alone. How much is it? Oh, Santa, three hundred fifty pounds, including his suit. In, in kilograms, sorry. In kilograms, one hundred and fifty-nine. He's only twenty-five stone. This is the, this is the, um, the interesting thing. I found that the average weight for an adult reindeer is three hundred pounds. So who has worked out the weight for Santa thinks he's heavier than a reindeer? I mean, I did see loose maths at the start of this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we, if we want to go by an average weight, oldish, older gentleman, well, I say, I've, and then add a couple of stone because he's not average weight, he's tubby as fuck. Even then, I don't think he's going to reach heavier than a full grown adult reindeer. Listen, we're glossing over my carrying on because I've got a lot to get through here. <laughs> Okay. Uh, the total, so you add together the mass of Santa the Slay and eight reindeer is 3,250 pounds. So it's about 1,500 kilograms, just shy of. Uh-huh. Right? It's about one half ton. Right. Now, again, this is from someone else's calculation of what they believe of the Santa Slay. I got a thing of all the weights and dimensions. Um, but they reckon it would be about 25 feet long, four meters wide, or so 10 meters long, four meters wide, four meters deep. So it would have a volume of 160 cubic meters, which is 2,500 cubic feet. So its base area of the cargo area would be about 30 square meters, so 187 square feet. That would still leave room in the front for Santa, all his controls and everything. Uh, that would be about 100 square feet, roughly. Right? Yeah. The average present mass, assuming, again, this was someone else's calculation, so they worked out that 
a box of Legos would be about two pounds or nine kilograms. Uh, a typical box present somehow somebody worked this out had a height of uh, a quarter of a meter, um, and a width of point four meter, length of point five of meter, so seven and a half by twelve by fifteen inches. Again, I don't know, but if you calculate the total mass of all the presents, right, and this is for one present each for each of these people. Um, it is 631 million times 0.9 as the average for a present. So it's 574 million kilograms or 630,000 tons. Now, you can already see problems developing here. I mean, that tonnage... Um, <laughs> right. Re- repeat that tonnage for me, please. 630,000 tons. <laughs> Pretty sure that's heavier. Yep, that is <laughs> heavier than a British submarine. Of course it is, Kyle. It's probably heavier than a skyscraper. <laughs> it's probably heavier than a fucking planet, honestly. Yeah. Actually, Pluto, it might be. Well, now I'm going to I'm gonna get nerdy. So, the bottom area of the presence is 0.4 metres, uh, 5 metres length, so about 0.2 metres squared. If the sled has 30 square metres in the bottom, then the area divided by each present leaves room for 150 presents at the bottom. So this means a stack of presents is 631 million divided by 150 is 4.2 million presents high. Right, four point two yeah. million presents high, each at a quarter of a meter each, is one million fifty one thousand eight hundred and twenty two meters high, which is six hundred and fifty four miles. Six. Okay, so <laughs> isn't that like the length of Europe or some shit? I believe that if he took off, they would be in outer space at the top. <laughs> but I feel like that's the length of Europe. 654 miles. Think of Europe in miles. <laughs> oh no, apparently uh, apparently it's... No? Eh? No? How many miles long is Europe? About 24,000 miles. So, just a little bit longer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was a bit ambitious there. So then are you ready? Yeah. Oh, second, is that map of Europe including Russia? That map of Europe's including Russia, since when was Russia part of Europe? Oh no, it's just getting confused. Is it? Anyway, Kyle, you're getting distracted. I am I getting am distracted. Mad. Now, this would be a real aerodynamic problem. Other than so... the fact that it's pulled by magical reindeer that can carry apparently 600 and something tons, or 16,000 tons or whatever it was, and a big yeah. fat man who weighs more than the singular reindeer by himself, never mind all the presents stacked on top of it. So again, this this is a little bit using someone else's maths, but um, basically you've got to assume that he has to somehow condense that down. Um I don't know how you say it was dark matter or black hole holder type of D- thing. Dimension door. <laughs> yeah, something. Uh, but somebody worked out for for the present stack to be the averagely accepted two metres tall, it would need to be a volume of 0.4 metres width times 0.5 metres length by 0.2 metres height, which is 0.04 cubic metres, Right. Uh, which is four cubic litres, the density of the present holder would have to be that mass divided by the volume. So it's 574 million kilograms divided by 0.4, right? So it gives it a density of 1.4 billion kilograms per cubic metre. Right? I was never good at math, Stefan. So 1.4 billion kilograms per cubic litre is basically how dense it would have to be. That's how heavy it would have to be to be... The accepted to be as tall, like what you see, Santa Slayers with a little bit of presence on the back. Okay. Right. Now, the surface area of the Earth is about 509 million square kilometres. Uh-huh. So 196,000 square miles, or 187,000, rounding up. Right. Now, if you assume that the households are evenly spread out, which obviously they aren't because there's a lot of sea and shit, yeah. um, the average area between that would be the three two hundred and thirty nine million households. 
would obviously divide by that. So you would get 2.1 square kilometers for every household. So about 0.8, so about a household every mile. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, so then you've got to assume that the average hour on the night falls, a nightfall, uh, mostly in the Northern Hemisphere, again, and accounting for children. So this is working on a system of children go to bed at 8 and wake up at 6. So you get 10 hours of darkness. Right? Which is the complete rotates, bullshit, but ew. Yeah. <laughs> the Earth <laughs> rotates in 24 hours, so Santa can use the time zone as advantage, obviously, if he travels in the right direction. If he goes the wrong way, he's fucked. Yes. But again, we're assuming he's worked that out by now. Uh, so I'm you would get a total magical bullshit for that. <laughs> yeah, you'd get a total maximum hours of travel would be thirty-four hours, right? Which is two thousand and forty minutes, right? So if you divide that into seconds, it's one hundred twenty-two thousand four hundred seconds, right? And he has to make each trip trip between trip between households, um, assuming that it's absolutely instantaneous. So it's assuming like. He manages to stop, drop a present off, and pull away again instantaneously. So this is working off a constant speed round between them. Yeah? Yeah. Um, what about it? Sorry. Uh, you would have to... You would work it out. So the average speed between each household would be distance divided by average time. Average distance divided by average time. So it's 1460 metres divided by 0.00051119 of a second. <laughs> right? <laughs> So it's 2.852446 million meters per second or 2.9 thousand kilometers per second. So speed of sound Mach 10 or some shit. Well, the speed of sound travels at 334 meters per second and he would be traveling at 2.852446 million meters per second. Right, so... Uh, how do you know how many kilometers per hour he would be f- traveling at? Uh oh, hold on then. So I've got written down that it's it's zero point two seven five miles per second for speed of sound. So I've worked out that he's going approximately eight thousand five hundred and forty times faster than the speed of sound. So okay. that will create a sonic boom. I mean, we can create sonic booms now with jets. The more question would be, what Mac would he be traveling at? Would he be well, traveling? Fa- would he be traveling faster than a rocket ship trying to leave? Trying like wanted out of orbit with no air resistance, no nothing, just fuel propulsing it through the vast atmosphere of nothing. Well, Mac isn't Mac one the sound barrier. Mac two is like twice the speed of sound. Yep. So he's traveling at Mac eight thousand five hundred and forty. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's how it ramps up. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's not how it ramps up. I think it's Mac 1, Mac 2. Yeah, I don't think there is a... Okay. <laughs> uh, I did find that I've, I've, the fastest man-made thing on Earth is apparently a space probe. A space probe? It's a space probe. A space probe, which is called Ulysses, uh, and it travels at 27.4 miles per second. Um, Sounds about so, right. Yeah, and he's doing... Oh, hundred and no yeah one thousand seven hundred and seventy two point eight miles per second so yeah and a conventional reindeer so this ain't santa's reindeer this is your normal reindeer that you see in the woods can run at about 15 miles an hour um can is this going to become a weekly thing when next week we're gonna you're gonna tell how how fast and how like a unicorn works it took me a month to work this out, so it might become a once a monthly thing. <laughs> okay, okay. New, seg- uh, new segment? <laughs> yeah. New segment, once monthly. Step- the speed step- of hypothetical step- things. <laughs> the speed and weight and like details about mythical objects. Next, Next week, we're going to disprove Hitler existed. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell. He's not exactly mythical. I was thinking more fucking unicorns or Zeus's bolt or something. Uh, right, so the speed of light is, to answer your question about the speed of light, the speed of light is 299 million metres per second. Uh, so he's going 100 times slower than light. So he's, you know, he's not taking okay. the pace, Kyle. 
<laughs> he's not taking the piss. He's, he's just going faster than the speed of sound. Well, I did work out that apparently the escape velocity for Earth is 11,000 meters per second, so he could easily escape and go out of space at that speed. And then go boom. Probably. It's probably why why he's able to do his job that he just fucks off into outer space and just shoots the presence dude. This is this is where it's it gets good, good though. It's all teleportation. That's all it is. He doesn't come down the chimney. He just teleports everything. <laughs> next, next time we're going to learn is um, Stefan's going to try and disprove us how he knew. Was it the way that he can tell when you're sleeping and know when you're awake? Oh, that's easy. Oh, just... I didn't count that in. I mean, just you're look at any between sort of... eight and six. He's a he's a mythical he figure. That. So anyway. Yeah, but... He still has to stop at every house, Jordan. Just teleportation. Ah, he's got he's to have his cookies and milk. Yeah. So the maximum speed has to be reached at the halfway point. So if he reaches, if, you, if he's got just less than a mile to accelerate a maximum speed, Mach 850 something, what worked out before, 8,500 yeah. something, and then back to zero. Right. Which would completely destroy any internal organs of any being known to Well, man. this is where I'm going. <laughs> So to do that, you actually have to reach double his average speed. So you have to reach 5.7 million meters per second to account for the acceleration to deceleration. Yeah. Uh, so half the trip um, between each household would change his speed divided by the change in time. So half of the 0.00051197 seconds, giving him an acceleration of 22.2 billion meters per second. Set per second, right? So... Since due to gravity, that acceleration is 9.8065 meters per second per second. That means when he's accelerating, uh, he's accelerating 2.3 billion times more than gravity, so he would experience 2.3 billion Gs every time he pulled away. Why do I feel like that's a life lifetime <laughs> goal for you now? Can I make something that makes me experience 2,000 Gs no, when I 2. pull 3 away? 2.3 billion Gs, Okay, 2.3 billion Gs when you pull I away. I think if we manage to explode the Earth, we wouldn't make that much force. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> um, but even more so, this is the rain, rain, a reindeer can pull 300 pounds. Yeah, a reindeer can exert about 300 pounds of force. So the total force required by the reindeer to accelerate like the only the logic that makes sense so far in this. <laughs> well, yeah. So okay. Well, I'm about to blow that out of the water. <laughs> okay. Oh, right. So the total force required for them to accelerate the sled is Newton's equal mass. Right. So F equals m a. So the force here is twelve point seven eight six quintillion newtons, I had to convert in newtons, which was really fucking complicated, this took us about two days by itself, which is 2.874 quintillion pounds of force, right, which is 1.4 quintillion tons, uh, quadrillion tons. Each reindeer, right, has to pull an eighth of that amount. So I think that that is more than 300 pounds. Just a little bit. So, yeah, so it's 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 one point just a little bit by a few trillion trillion. of force divided by eight. So, the physics of work energy in joules, right, is force times distance. Right. So basically, you work all that out, and the work needed is eighteen point six seven sextillion. So it's eighteen with twenty one zeros. Mm-hmm. I had to Google what 21 zeros was after something, and apparently it's a, it's a sextillion. A sextillion. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so you convert that into calories, and it's 4,187, so it's 4.46 quintillion calories that they the, the would need. Uh, and if he consumes three cookies and a glass of milk, then that's 390 calories per household. That's assuming that it's like full fat milk and premium cookies i don't know um, <laughs> and the reindeer would need to consume for 11.4 quadrillion carrots at each house to get the energy <laughs> at each house at each house <laughs> i don't think there's that many carrots on earth oh hi so yeah so the power required by the reindeer in watts right is 18.76 sextillion joules Right, 
uh, divided by the seconds given to give uh, 36.47 septillion watts of power, uh, which is, so I've, I've worked it out into how much horsepower Santa's reindeer has. Are you ready? Oh, wait, what's the horsepower of a Santa's reindeer and how much do you want it? 6.11 sextillion horsepower per reindeer. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Why aren't we measuring cars and reindeer power? Probably because it would, be, would be point reindeers. and then 23 million noughts and then one. Yeah. Yeah, Just so the heat of vaporization of water, and therefore most humans, I assume, because we are 70-odd percent water, 80 percent water. So I'm assuming if you work out when water's vaporized, that's when we would vaporize. I don't know that as a science, but that's what I'm going with. Maybe there's bones left. Why not? Um. So and also the the main yeah is about two point two six million joules per kilogram, roughly. So together they have a mass of twelve thousand fifty kilograms. So by two point eight two five billion joules, that's what you'd need to vaporize them. Um, so eighteen point six seven sextillion joules, which is the the energy of them taken off, divided by the two point eight two five billion, means that every single time that Santa takes off him and his reindeer of vaporize six point six billion times over. <laughs> also, yeah, okay. I'm not going to get into this. But there's also the Doppler effect. So if you go, but Rudolph's lighting up the way, then the fact that they're going so fucking fast changes the wavelength of the the light coming off his nose because of the Doppler effect. So it wouldn't really help. I mean, I don't think it ever actually helped. It's a tiny little bit. It's a tiny little piddly red lamp on the tip of a reindeer's nose. How much light could it ever actually produce? That is heavily assumptive and based on several different bits of research from other people and then some calculation by them and calculation by myself. But I think I'm pretty safe in saying that it's probably about right that he'd be vaporized 6.6 billion times every time he took off. Roughly. So, long way of saying, sorry kids, but I highly doubt Santa's going to survive the journey. You find me a human that has survived. How many? What? Hold on. Was it quintillion Gs or something? Or like thousands of Gs? Oh, Millions of Gs? 1.6 million Gs or something? 2.3 billion. You 2. find me anything, anything in existence that survived. Okay, maybe not like planets and shit, but anything on Earth that survived 2.3 billion Gs and that is still alive, that is a living thing. I believe Santa's real. I feel like some planets wouldn't survive that either. I feel like if you tried to <laughs> shove that many Gs towards Pluto, it would just be knocked out of the solar system. More than likely. Well, I'm going to move on to something less mathematical. Onto something that I think is very nice and very relaxing. And it's to do with Norway. Okay. Uh, Trespassing isn't really that much of a thing in Norway. And this is because the country has a law called Almansretten. Which means uh, every man's right, or the right to roam. I've kind of heard of this, but not from Norway, and I don't exactly know what the law is. I've just heard it, of the right to roam laws in European countries sometimes. It basically dates back to ancient times, and that you freely roam and camp on all uncul- uncultivated land, so long as you show respect for nature and pick up your trash. So, so long as you don't build a massive fuck-off bonfire and chop down trees and kill loads of animals and pick up your trash when you leave, you're fine. So if you were to have a festival or something around there, it would probably be a big no-no. But if you just want to go out hiking into the wilderness with your tent and a few pals, that would be perfectly fine. You can just wander. So long as the land is uncultivated, so as long as it's not specifically owned farmer's land, then you can just roam across the country. There is no... Oh, you, you, this land is owned by the Queen, you can't walk across this territory, it's just, go for it, feel free to wander. Which I think is fantastic. It is brilliant, yeah. And I kind of want to go nowhere now. <laughs> just oh, have yeah. a wander. I know, but I just want to have a wander. Like a long wander. Take a tent, take a few supplies and just wander around. Um... 
I like M. What's yeah, M? I think I'm doing maths. Oh, God. Okay. Anywho, whilst Stefan's doing maths. Oh, I can't. Well, okay. I was going to work out how many, because I don't have my actual calculator, I've just got my phone. I was going to make out how many. Um, Okay, turn that around. One up. How many generic energy drinks? Um, <laughs> Santa would need to consume, but I can't do sextillion in my phone because it'll only put a maximum of six zeros. <laughs> oh, no, no, wait, wait. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, no, eight, I think ten. he just glitched it. Did I talk oh, you about... I end on more I... than 15 digits. I need 21 zeros, so it's not going to work. Yeah. Did I Bastards. tell you about the the bridge in Ireland? No, for sure, for sure. I can't yeah. remember if I told you about it the last session or not. I don't think you did. I can't remember. It was that long ago. Well then, let me tell you a wee story about how a bridge that was a swing bridge designed to open for ships, much like our own swing bridge, couldn't be opened for four years because someone lost the fucking remote. Kyle, this is why he's not allowed back, back in why, Ireland. No, that's why the Russians aren't allowed in Ireland. No, this is the like. This is a beautiful fucking thing. It's called the T- the Celtic Tiger Bridge, and it wouldn't open because someone lost the remote control for it. You are probably pissed. Oh, sorry. It's a uh, Dublin's Sean O'Casey Bridge. Uh, <clears throat> basically. Apparently, experts had to create a new remote control for the structure. I'm pretty sure you could have probably gotten a projector <laughs> remote or a universal remote and it would have worked. Uh, it was constructed to improve pedestrian connections in the city during time of rapid, rapid expansion, uh, spamming the Liffey between the IFSC and City Key. It's designed to swing apart to allow sailcraft to deliver <laughs> as far as the Talbot Mem- Memorial Bridge. It includes two 44-metre-long arms capable of swimming, swinging open when required. The operation is controlled by a handheld remote device, which is the stupidest idea ever. Why not just have a cockpit with fucking remote controls or city-controlled controls or motion sensors? This is the 21st century, Kyle. Yeah, uh, but, but apparently the device went missing a while ago, meaning no um, openings were possible. Uh, apparently the authority... Uh, moved offices several times in the past few years, and it's understood the remote, which is about the size of a 1990s-era mobile phone, may have been simply misplaced in the move. So basically, the people who owned the bridge, or looked after the bridge, kept on moving offices so many times that it got lost in a box of shit and they couldn't find it. Was it down the back of someone's sofa? I've got no idea, but the fact that they had to to make a new remote control says they still haven't found it. (laughs) Hold on, how how long was the bridge unopenable for because they lost the remote? Four years. So it took them four years to go, you know what, I think we should just make a new one. Yeah, they're yeah. all definitely pissed. Cut <laughs> it, Jordan. I mean, you've got to be to decide, we've got this bridge, it's crucial it swings open to let thoroughfare through on the water. Oh, I know, let's make it a remote control and not, a, like... Just have a junction there with a control box with a man you hire to sit yeah, there and push okay. the buttons, like train stations used to, or have yeah. it motion censored, like train stations are. I'm happier for you to go, what was it you said there, a junction and, and the employer man and all that. It's better than your explanation of why didn't you just make a cockpit? Maybe because no one's planned on flying the bridge, Kyle. I mean, that's what it is. It's, <laughs> you know, the cockpit, the shelter, I know what the you bloody. Mean. The control room is what you're looking for. Yes, that. <laughs> Not the cockpit. But it's usually just in like a little glass and stone dome, isn't it? So it's sort of like a cockpit, but a cockpit for the bridge. A bridge pit? A bridge pit, yeah. Why is it called a cockpit? I don't know. That is that is a question to find out. Why is a cockpit called a cockpit? Because I would expect not to find a pilot in a cockpit, but something else. Uh, let's do a quick little Google. Uh, it seems to have been used as a nautical term in the 17th century without reference to cockfighting. It referred to an era of the ship where the coxswain station was located. The coxswain being the pilot of a smaller boat that could be dispatched from the ship to board another ship or to bring people ashore. 
The word coxswain in turn derives from old English terms for boat servant, with cock being the French word cock, which was for shell, and swain was old English for boy or servant. So it's literally went from coxswain, which meant boy servant, to cockpit, which was where the boy servants Hold on. worked. Hold on. So how has a name for where a person sails a ship from become the name of where people sit in an aeroplane and on a ship you're just on the bridge or in the cabin? How did that happen? I mean, I'm guessing it's just because it was where the piloting thing was, so it just decided, okay, we're going to we're gonna move it and put it onto planes. Yeah, but then they didn't keep it on ships, is what I'm saying. As soon as so, as soon as they started using it for planes, uh, people in ships were like, "Well, we don't have to be known as the fucking coxswain anymore." <laughs> anyway, I can talk about ships. Ship, 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 ship. It's not about ah. Go on then, if you found something. Tyler sounds so disappointed there. From about 1935, cockpit came to be used informally to refer to the driver's cabin, especially in high-performance cars, and this is official terminology used to describe the compartment when, that the driver o- occupies in a Formula One car. In an airliner, the cockpit is usually referred to as the flight deck, the term deriving from its use by the RAF for the separate upper flat platform in large flying boats where the pilot and co-pilot sat. In the USA and many other countries, however, the term cockpit is also used for airliners. So the it's basically, it it's called the flying deck, but everybody just decided, fuck it, we've went from sailing on the land to sailing through the air, so we're just going to use the same word. It's the is, the, deck where the, pilots is the simple answer. Uh, the poop deck is legitimately the poop deck. So why isn't the plane, airplane toilets called the flying poop deck? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't. <laughs> if it was, wasn't, was yes, English, English tale. Uh, I don't do English. It doesn't work. I can talk about boats. Do you want to know about? Do you do you want to guess how a pair of trousers sank aboard, or do you want to talk about two boats fighting each other in a totally mismatched way? Well, I know that. There's stories of submarines and stuff where someone's clogged the toilet and it's caused the submarine to end up sinking because they couldn't run the boat and it ended up nauseous gas and stuff. Yes, that was a U-boat. And there's also <laughs> other things. And there's also the recent story of how a British frigate or warship managed to, while looking for a Russian submarine in British waters, got told, okay, deploy your sonar boy to try and find it. And in deploying, it dropped it straight onto the Russian submarine that was directly below by pure accident to the point where the submarine just heard a clang off its hull. Is it that? No. What do you want to go? Um, I tell you, you want to go for the trousers first. <laughs> I want to go for the trousers first because. Do you have any better guesses? Not... How do right? Think of this, right? So I'll give you some of the. Is some it, of the things. Is, so, is it to do with either clogging something up or a lack of supplies which led to the trousers being some sort of key thing well, in a long chain of events? This this might help you in that if we're not talking like World War Two, like early technology, anything like this. On March the 22nd, 2003. Right, and th- this is a boat. There is a 90 metre long, right... 2,500-ton cargo vessel called the RMS Mulheim was on a, a typical voyage. Did, did a pair of trousers clog up the propeller? No. Uh, <laughs> it departed from Corken Island and was going to Lübeck in Germany with 2,200 tons of scrap plastics from cars. Uh, in the early morning, it was off Land's End along Cornwall's coast. Visibility was good, and there was a small bit of patchy fog. Uh, the officer on watch had everything under control, um, and then everything went wrong. So how what happened is he's just sailing through the English Channel, just below Cornwall. Uh, yeah. He's going from Cork to Germany. It's a journey that's happened hundreds of times. It's not particularly foggy. It's not particularly bad weather. Um, and a pair of trousers sunk a 2,500-ton cargo ship. 
basically. And it's still, by the way, this is still on the Cornwall coast, and I believe you can go visit it. Is it? Uh, yes, there's a bunch of ships still stuck on the Cornwall coast that you can go and visit, visit because apparently it's just where everybody crashes, despite the fact that there is a fucking lighthouse there. <laughs> um, I'm going to assume... It's something like the saw the pair trousers, thought it was a man in the water, so halted all operations, tried to do that, and in doing that, they ended up coming up against rocks or something. Hmm. Uh, You're saying, hmm, am I close? No. <laughs> Is it something stupider? It, yes. Was someone pl- was someone playing strip poker and the pi- the pilot of the ship had pants on his head as a lost no. bet? Right, I'm going to throw it to Jordan. Do you want a couple of guesses? Because Carl's no. done a lot of guessing. <laughs> Go on, how got a pair of pants? The wrong somebody wearing the wrong pair of trousers. Sink a it's ship. the wrong pair of trousers, Glomit. Oh Jesus! Exactly. It wasn't <laughs> the curse of the wearer of it. Ah. I don't know. Right. So the officer on watch had everything under control until he attempted to stand up. Was his trousers too tight and caused him to fall back down or something? He'd been sitting on a chair and he was leaning with his, the chair like tipped up. When yeah. he sat forward, his trousers caught on the chair's lever. He lost his balance, fell over and knocked himself out. By the time he came round, the Mulheim, the Mulheim was heading straight towards the shoreline. And he called out, but before they could actually turn it, because it was a huge container ship, it crashed into the rocky shoreline in Gamma Bay. What was that? So what was it? What was his position on the ship? What? What was <laughs> the officer role? on? What he was the officer on watch, dude? He's in charge of looking for land. Oh, um, land away! Surely there's two officers <laughs> on watch at any time. Well, not not re- well. I don't know. Um, but uh, obviously not. I feel like if we haven't moved. If we haven't moved past having only one officer on watch when we've had shit like the Titanic happen, I get the feeling we're not doing my jobs right. So yeah, um, I, I don't, I don't know because so the, the, the amazing thing chair. is, the amazing thing is, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you can see this photo, yes, my, that is backwards in there. It is backwards, but it depends on if it's hit the rocks and then it's while it's tried to turn, so it's ended up grinding up and sort of doing a rotation. Awesome. When it must have came but... in like that, hit it sideways, and then the waves have pushed it around. Uh, yeah. It does say that in October 2008, it broke up into several pieces, and now it's scattered kind of along the shoreline, and there's more pictures. But yeah, a pair of trousers sunk sort of. Someone going for a shit sunk a submarine, and then now a pair of trousers has sunk a cargo vessel. Why the hell not? Doesn't surprise me at all. That stupid humanity will always find the most stupid way to do anything in the world. Stupid deaths, stupid deaths. Yeah, exactly, Jordan. Exactly. Oh, by the way, the the um the Royal Navy warship hitting the Russian submarine was literally in the sixth of January, oh, or geez. like around then. You told me about this. I think I did. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit in private. Are we trying yeah, to support Russia again? Funny enough, it's the best named warship because it's the HMS Northumberland. Yes. <laughs> so we hit a Russian submarine with a sword on boy by just dropping it on the heads. If no one else <laughs> will attack Russia, we will. Well, they were in our waters. They're around Scotland. So we, we got deployed or, deployed to go and find it. And we decided, okay, well, this looks like a good spot. We'll drop a boy. Little did we know the submarine was directly below us, so we just hit it on the head with it. Which I'm pretty sure whichever sonar operator was on the submarine is probably deaf now from the sound of that clang through his headphones. Oh, well. It was apparently a million to one chance. And it was also a collision which was caught on film by a Channel 5 TV crew. Uh, it, funny enough, it says it did considerable damage to the HMS Northumberland sonar device, which was raked across the Russian submarine's hull, forcing the British crew to abort their mission and return to base for repairs. Like, what the fuck? We had to return home for repairs after dropping a boy on it because the boy was damaged. What the fuck's the submarine like? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's one way to get it to go home without actually attacking it. 
Just, oh, sorry, we dropped a sonar boy on your head. Which and we'll scrape it across your hole for like a few miles. <laughs> um, do, do you want to get? Do you want to? Do you want to guess another thing? Yes, please. Why not? So it's like this, a weird game show. Yeah, this was on the third of April, April twenty twenty. So, I'm gonna set. I'm gonna set the picture. Set You're the on a Portuguese cruise ship called the RCGS Resolute. Okay. You're sailing around. You're just off the coast of Caracas near Venezuela. And along comes a Navy coastal patrol boat, right? Called the where the fuck's the name of this thing? Um, oh, the, I, I, it might be wrong, but it's Niaguita, Niaguita, Niaguata, or something. Niaguata. So, right. I mean, I love this. So I want. I want to know immediately why there's a Portuguese Portuguese ship called the Resolute, and then you've got the next one, which is the Nito Grata. Niaguata, a Venezuelan patrol vessel. So this this is an ANBV Niaguata, the Venezuelan patrol vessel armed with 76mm naval gun, a German-built anti-aircraft system that sprays a cloud of tungsten bullets, a pair of, of deck-mounted machine guns, among other weaponry that isn't really important. Um, I it specifies it's a German anti-aircraft gun. Yeah. It come up against the... Well, basically, there was a fight between that and the Resolute, which is a Portuguese flag cruise ship, which has, instead of a 76mm naval gun, I found that it had an 80-seat theatre, uh, about the top speed of an oil tanker, mm-hmm. uh, and it was attacked. Just Basically, the Resolute was en route to Curacao, which is a Dutch island in the Caribbean, had been drifting for a day in international waters near Tortuga, Ooh, of course, the pirate oh, yes. home. Yes. Okay, now Jordan pays attention. Um, <laughs> as because it was, it had engine tools, so it was tinkering with the starboard engine, so it was just kind of floating around a bit. At midnight, it was approached by the Niaguada and ordered to come into port. As the Resolute contacted its head office for instructions, because it was unaware of what the fuck this vessel was and if it was official or not, didn't want to be thingied by pirates. Uh, yeah. The Niaguada opened fire. A video released by the Venezuelan Navy. Navy showed a sailor firing AK-47 shots in the air, in the howling wind, in the darkness, with ramble-like enthusiasm. And then they rammed the cruise ship. What do you think happened after that? I'm going to say they sunk themselves because they're trying to ram a cruise ship with a fucking patrol ship. That's exactly what happened. (laughs) (laughs) They're trying to ram what is basically a massive fuck-off... Built no, for warship with a better. little patrol boat. It gets better. It can't because... get any better. Oh, it can. Venezuela then accused the Resolute of an act of aggression and piracy. <laughs> By sitting still and awaiting instructions. It also said that it could not rule out that the cruise ship was not in fact transporting mercenaries to attack military bases in Venezuela. <laughs> Is the Venezuelan government high? Well, it gets better because this is a Portuguese cruise ship that they rammed and then sunk. And then the, the, the Venezuelans went, well, they were clearly pirates. They were attacking, even though they weren't. And then it gets even better because President Nicolas Maduro had previously accused the United States and other countries of plotting to overthrow him. I don't so know what that's is, got to do with the United States. He, he, is, a, he is just a psychological <laughs> nutcase tyrant from the sounds of it. Are you ready for this, though? Columbia Cruise Services, which operates the Resolute, said the cruise ship had been carrying out routine engine maintenance in international waters, which was more than 13 nautical miles from Tortuga, so well in international waters. Yeah. Um, a statement from the Hamburg Burst Company said that shortly after midnight, the Naguita radioed the Resolute, questioned its intentions, and ordered the captain to follow it to port on Isla Margarita to the east. While the master Margarita. was... This is a direct quote now. While the master was in contact with the head office, gunshots were fired. All passengers were brought inside, and shortly thereafter, the Navy vessel approached the starboard side at speed and purposely collided with the RGS, RG, RCGS Resolute. The Navy vessel then continued around the starboard bow in an apparent attempt to turn the ship's head towards the Venezuelan territorial waters. Although the Resolute, which is a purpose-built polar exploration vehicle, so has a reinforced hull for icy waters... <laughs> So this, this thing's like an annoying puppy trying to push your legs to make you go in a direction, but this thing has armor plating, so it's just sitting there going, no, no, 
no, it's, no, It's the no. equivalent of trying to turn a tank using a smart car. It is. <laughs> no, not even that. It's the equivalent of trying to turn a tank with a bicycle. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Although it suffered minor damage, the patrol boat began taking on water after hitting its bulbous bow, according to the statement. It's right. Bulbous bow. It also said the the resolute remained in the area for more than an hour. Contact res, contacted rescue coordinators uh, from the Dutch Caribbean island of Curacao, and all attempts to contact the Niguita went unanswered. The res, resolute eventually sailed to Wilmstead on Curacao. So it hung around for a bit and tried to radio for help for these idiots. And when no, when them idiots wouldn't respond, they went, "Well, fuck it, we're leaving them." A statement by the Venezuelan military accused the resolution of the resolute of cowardly and criminal behaviour, since it did not attend to the rescue of the crew. So basically, because they went, no, we're not fucking bringing you on because you've just fired an AK forty-seven at her. Because they you've got bored and fucked off fired, after an hour. You've just fired an AK forty-seven at her. Told her to come into a bay, and while we're checking if you really are an authority and not just pirates, you've decided, okay, we're gonna be Rambo and decide decide to just ram our ship into you multiple times, then sink your own stupid selves. No, we're not gonna rescue you. Yeah, I feel like so, everybody would be on their side, honestly. They hung around for an hour and radioed for help while trying to radio them to see if they'd respond, but they just refused to respond. So, but this is what I, this is what. I, I love more than anything because it says the defense minister. Now, it's a Colombian run company, I think it said. Yeah, right. Columbia Cruise Services. Oh, actually, no, so uh, yeah, it's probably still the um, Portuguese. But there is a defense minister who is Southern American but may have had a Russian uh, influence here. So this is brilliant, Kyle. I'm tiny into Southern America here. Okay. <laughs> Defense Minister Vladimir Padrino Lopez. <laughs> of course. <laughs> accused the resolute of ramming the vessel, quote unquote, which caused its own sinking. <laughs> <laughs> so he basically went, defend what? It sank itself. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, hi. <laughs> oh, I love that. What? What? <sighs> <laughs> it's just it's like the countries want you to take them seriously and then they do stuff like that and you just can't help but laugh at them yeah it's like i mean if venezuela ever ends up in a navy navy war you know for a fact people are just gonna sit there and go why <laughs> uh i do have one last thing about well i have two last things about transport so I will let you choose. I will let you choose between. I can ask you what something is, and then okay. I guarantee you will get it wrong. Or okay. I can talk to you about the fastest EV in the world. The fastest what in the world? Electric vehicle. So fastest EV. Oh, uh, well, I know that they made an electric Formula One car that went up against a Chia, and they also they also went up. It's Formula oh, E, yeah. I, I think they've also made. I'm sure they tried to make an electric rocket ship or something at some point as well. So, what's the yes. fast? What's the top speed of a cheetah? Isn't it like a hundred and something? A hundred? And... No. Get your get your Google out. It's about seventy. But get your Google out. What's the fastest top? What's the top speed of a cheetah? <laughs> about eighty to one hundred and thirty kilometers an hour. Okay, so. 80 kilometers is 50 miles, so 130. It's probably it's about 70 miles an hour. So kilometers an hour, we'll go with kilometers and say it's 130. We'll, we'll, this it's is a really seven, fast. It's about, it's about 70 miles an hour, so it's it's basically the national speed limit in England. What's the top speed of an EV car? A Formula E car? Ah. Uh... Uh, 174, which makes sense. As to be fair, I don't know why they put it up against a fucking cheetah. Cause yeah, that's what I'm getting at. What the, the the cheetah, which I'm presuming didn't even know it was racing anything, was probably a bit confused. What you're just picking something that you're fast. That's like me saying I am uh, my car. I bet it's faster than Boris's bicycle. But I'll race him and find out, just to prove how good I am. I don't Basically, get that. Yeah. It's not more that. Well, I would run him over. I was assuming they didn't run the cheater over, but I would run him over. 
I don't think they did want the cheetah more, but the poor cheetah must be confused as it heard nothing but bzzz going past it. It was probably thinking, what does that be? I don't, Just, I don't, I don't get that. I don't really... understand it at all either, but the fact that they did it is it it's one of those stupid car spectacle things where they decide, okay, we're gonna put this up against this, why it makes no sense. We do not care. So do you wanna go for the the thing that I've just closed? <laughs> uh, yes, what is the fastest electrical vehicle known to man? Is it a bullet fired from electric powered gun? No, because that's not a vehicle. You can't sit in that. Would I it mean, help if I gave you the... If you used a cannon mount? Company. If you used a cannon mount, you could sit on it. I will let you choose the <laughs> name of the company, the name of the AV itself, or its top speed. Okay. Company. Rolls-Royce. This makes me question things now, because I know that Rolls Royce is known for comf- comfort and all this sort of stuff, so even though it's the fastest thing in the world, the world, the electric thing in the world, they probably would have still dialed it down for comfort if it had a human in. Yeah. But at the same point, it's Rolls Royce, the people who made engines for the war. Um, I'm going to say top speed, 370 mile an hour. Uh, you, you're close, actually. Um, oh. Over 330 mile an hour, over 15 kilometers. So it held 330 mile an hour for 15 kilometers. So it actually, Lively. it didn't just reach its top speed and then drop back down like most car tests do. It yeah. actually held it for the limit. Yeah, for 15 kilometers. So it was 182 mile an hour faster than the previous record. I want to know how much how much charge and how many batteries that required, considering. Mm-hmm. To get that much juice out of a battery would be absolutely ridiculous. And it's extremely difficult to make a car battery that does anything properly. I don't have information on the battery. Um... It's probably a well-kept trade secret because they don't want to go into the public so, to find out that they can have a Tesla that can last for six months on one charge. Okay, so I can tell you that. it so well... much charge. A 400 kilowatt more electric powertrain, so over 500 horsepower. Yeah. Um, and the most power-dense propulsion battery pack ever assembled. Uh, they worked in partnership with an aviation energy storage startup, Electroflight, and automotive powertrain supplier, Yasa, as well as, tech- as well as the technical achievement, the project, and the world record runs provided important data for future of electric power and propulsion systems for all electric urban mobility and hybrid electric commuter uh, vehicles. Um, yeah, so it also says the characteristics that air taxis would need uh, require from the batteries uh, would be very similar to what would be what was developed for the Rolls Royce Spirit of Innovation. I think I read something about this actually. Yeah, because it was called the Spirit of Innovation, and it was. It was one of those things where a lot of people just sort of looked at it and went, but why? But there's also things of, it. if you can put that type of car battery into a normal road-going car, it would probably be able to hold its charge for, like, a week or something. Right. Uh, it did momentarily clock a maximum top speed of 387.4 miles an hour, making it the world's fastest all-electric vehicle. Yeah. Um. But do you want to go back to the start when I said Rolls Royce, your your thought process then? Yes, why not? Go back to what you were saying then, so when you were thinking Rolls Royce. So it's either they, they, they're famous for making comfort and sort of the big, comfortable, yeah. sort of rich people's cars, but they're also known for making the engines in the war. Right, so you want to go down that trail? The war. Okay, so is this being developed for submarines and things? Because it would be very useful on things such as no. nuclear submarines and Go all those back to Rolls-Royce and the war, and, you, and the sentence you literally said, what they're known for. Oh, the aviation plane, plane um, engines. Yeah. Are they going to put these in fucking jets? No. 
Are they going to make electrical planes with these? It is an electrical plane. That's why it's the fastest EV in the world. So it wasn't a car, it was a plane? No, it's a fully electric plane. I thought I was going to give it away when it said they were working with um, aviation battery experts, but then it also said they used motor, like... Uh, well, the, the, this, this thing, it didn't really give it away because a lot of car yeah. companies work with aviation companies to do things with aerodynamics and stuff to try and make sure that it can cut through the air on the ground as much as yeah, possible. Like because, Formula One teams work with aviation specialists. Yeah, because on a, on a principal level, you, if you need to cut through air, you need to cut through air, whether you're on the land or on the floor. You still need to cut through the air as efficiently. And the aerodynamics that lift a plane or what you use to stick a car to the floor if you turn upside down. So, yeah. And plus, aerospace has given a lot to like using aluminium and carbon fiber and stuff like that for the motor industry. We are. We're trying to but make yeah, cars. It's, an, it's a plane, it's man. Possible. It's an electric plane that does nigh on 400 miles an hour, making it the fastest EV in the world. Fully electric. I, sh- I should have known this by the fact that it's called Spirit, because usually anything called <laughs> Spirit is a fucking plane. I mean, it even looks like it's trying to be a modern day Spitfire. But this was the Rolls Royce. This is Rolls Royce, and they did have the Silver Spirit. Yeah, exactly. Which was a car. So, you, you yeah, know. true. Fair enough. And my last one, I'll do this very quickly. Okay. What is that? Uh, that looks like it is an electric sports car, possibly a BMW, but it looks like, judging from the okay. thing on the grill, a Mustang. I'll stop you at just what is it? On a base level, what is it? Uh, what transport is that? It's a it's a motor vehicle. It's a car. Right, Jordan. It's a car. No, you're wrong. It's not a car. Okay. Come <laughs> on then. What is it then, Mister Smart Ass Twat? Okay. Well, this is the thing. It just is a car, right? Uh, so, do you think is it a car where the wheels fold in and you can fly? No, it's not a car, and a car company didn't build it. Oh, so it's not Chi Chi Bambai? No. Um, it, it's a, a, a Turkish car company called TOG. T-O-G-G. Right. Uh, but it isn't a car company. Uh, in, TOG's own word, it, in TOG's own words, it is a transition concept smart device, right, <laughs> called the Use Case Mobility Concept from a technology company operating in the field of mobility. So it's not a car because taxes, basically. It's, it's, it's not. It's not a car. It's a, it's a transition car, it's a concept car. smart device, and they aren't a car company. They are a technology company that is operating in the field of mobility. Bullshit. So it's like Apple going. It's not an Apple car. We are a technology company operating in the field of mobility. <laughs> no, it's like it's like British <laughs> Airways saying saying we are not an air company. We are a company that specializes in the uh, mo- in the delivering ext- of passengers in, to in the places. in the in the delivery of people to various countries for a charge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't get it. Apparently, it's it's the the use in case of emergency is smart, empathetic, connected, and autonomous. And also, it's it's not a car company, but it wants to sell. Cars, but it'll start producing them by the end of twenty twenty two, and by twenty thirty, it wants to sell a million cars, but they're not cars, and they're still not yet. I don't know. They're a technology company that creates mobility solutions. So, the, the article I'm reading says, so there you have it. A car maker is now ethically as ethically bankrupt as being a murderer, racist, or property developer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's not that's not a car, Kyle. That's not a car. Jordan. No, I get the feeling there's some sort of tax in Turkey or something, which means this company is deciding to do that so that they can get away with not paying something, or not know. doing something, or not following some regulation. Yeah, it just looks like a big Volvo cross with a Tesla. It does. I mean, to be, it, it reminds me of a BMW, but instead of having mountain light, it's got the normal line ones. You'll bring my car manufacturer company near down. <laughs> anyway, uh, we shall leave you all there with that magical thing of a car company that isn't a, isn't car, a car company, company. but it's is a not car a car. Company, it's not. They're not a car company. They're a technology company. They're a, they're just a technology company. Cars that aren't cars. They're not cars. 
But they want to sell wow. a million cars that aren't cars by 2030. So if you want to buy a car that isn't a car, you can buy a TOG. But it is a car. Which is a quilt. A me- measurement a quilt. I wonder how many TOGs a TOG is. Can you measure it by how warm it is inside? I feel you... like you could. Oh, dude, the heat are setting. If the heat are setting, it's not in TOGs. If, when it's really cold and you put the demister on, you turn it up to 12.5 TOGs. <laughs> it's a really cold day. I want 15 TOGs. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much for listening. It's been a pleasure. This is the first episode, so it's just going to be your one-hour one. And I am going to leave you with the wise words that me. those who don't study history are doomed to repeat it. But those who do study history are doomed to stand by helplessly while everybody else repeats it. So either way, you're fucked. Yeah, either way, you're fucked. Well thank, thank you very much for listening. Good luck out there. <laughs> Good luck. Bye. Bye. Bye.